Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Thego Delinda asked, hello and welcome to Everything's Political. I'm your host, Taya Shoemake. You can find us online at everythingspolitical.org. The email address for the show is podcast at everythingspolitical.org. Shout out to Magic Man Joe Strecker, the Maria Montessori of podcast producers. <laughs> Italian educator Maria Montessori, right? Originator of that system that bears her name. I'm sure you've heard of Montessori schools. In that traditional school environment, I liken her to Charlotte Mason, very popular in homeschools and actually used to be used in traditional schools in America. But they both understood how to educate the whole person, right? I mean, we can shoot, that goes back to Aristotle. But how to irrigate the jungles of the mind, right? And how to age appropriately, give them life skills, and help them to be independent, and um, not just checking boxes. I forget how Maria Montessori described the uh, 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 pinning with safety pins children to a desk where they could not move. It was just very amazing, innovative woman who, by the way, was the first woman in Italy to graduate with a medicine degree university around. I mean, so, uh, you know, wide and deep was her, uh, was her knowledge base. So sorry, Joe, you'll have to identify as a woman today, but fear not. It's all the rage. And uh, if the insanity continues on its current trajectory, then I'm sure you'll be deemed best female podcast producer within the year. Okay, just a little levity there before we engage with our next guest. And uh, let me advise our listeners with children to maybe listen first uh, without the children, just in case we venture into um, any unexpected material. Uh, our next guest is concerned parent in the Lakota School District, Christy Ertel. And she is with an organization, protectlakotakids.com. And Christy is disturbed by certain events that have gone on in that district. And, uh, you know, not many in the mainstream media I have found are covering it comprehensively. Christy, thank you so much and welcome to the show. Good morning, Taya. Thank you so much for having me this morning. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So I did a cursory search of the issue in Lakota and I think it's blatantly clear that the mainstream media does not want to cover this issue on both sides and i'm i presume this issue is going to be bigger than maybe even you all know but obviously you all know more than i did because i did get on lakota kids protect lakota kids.com and there is just so much there uh so many rabbit holes i saw opening up down which i'm sure you guys have started 
to go. And uh, the mainstream media is just that uh, there are it's almost blatant blanket statements of the outcome of the story. So with the disclaimer here that everyone is innocent until proven guilty, of course, can you give us the impetus behind protectlakotakids.com and maybe where things stand and we'll get to the desired outcome afterwards? Once you really start to pull the curtain back, there's so much to see, unfortunately, and a lot of ugly truth. Um, that's the reality of it. And, you know, in order to really kind of start, I think it, the beginning of Protect Lakota Kids, the idea and the birth of it essentially was just parents coming together frustrated by the fact that these very disturbing allegations came forth by another community member um, in August. And when the allegations came forward, they were just that. They were allegations. And like you said, thankfully, we do live in a country where you are innocent until proven guilty. But for us as parents, you know, we began to dig in and we began to request public records to say, hey, you know, there's a lot of grumbling in the community that our superintendent has really been involved in some sexual deviant behavior. And we just want to make sure that our kids are safe. So ultimately, we requested public records, which were denied. Um, the initial complaint that was sent forth by a community member did leak out into the public. Um, so we were made aware of what was in those um, allegations. And to sum it up, it basically portrayed a lifestyle of vulgar solicitations on Craigslist, Ashley Madison, and Tinder accounts, um, where essentially our superintendent was engaging in, you can call it consensual behavior. Um, with his ex-wife, but clearly lacking good judgment, to put it nicely. And in addition, the most troubling part of that is the fact that there were allegations regarding sexual fantasies and role play that involved drugging, molesting, and videotaping children. Now, again, these were allegations up until August. Um, however, we began to file public records requests with our sheriff because we knew that there was an active investigation going on. Um, now, once that was completed, the official transcripts were released of the inter interview and investigation, and that is really where the outcry began. Once we read through the transcripts, which are on the website, Matt Miller's transcripts are essentially 18 pages long. His ex-wife's transcripts are 38 pages long. I highly encourage everyone to read the transcripts for themselves. Um, they are public record. They have not been manipulated. This is straight from the sheriff's office. And you can see clearly, word for word, his testimony. Um, and it is very disturbing as a parent. Um, so from that point forth, it became not a question of these are allegations. We read his own testimony. We read his word. And that is where Protect Lakota began because essentially we were being shut down. Our concerns were being silenced at the board meeting. Um, as you said, local media could not be less interested in any of these allegations. They literally wouldn't return emails, wouldn't return phone calls, blatantly in, you know, collaboration with the district to frame the story the way in which they wanted it to be presented. So our effort through the website is just to give the community truth through public records, and that is essentially what we were doing. We are keeping it factually based. We don't want it to be muddled with opinion or hearsay. Everything on the website is public record that we are pulling. Um, it's like pulling teeth to get these records. But ultimately, we feel the community has the right to know. And that's why we've produced the website. 
And there was a summary judgment, wasn't there, Christy, uh, regarding the suppression of speech at school board meetings? Yes, absolutely. Um, there's been actually a couple of cases. The one is still pending, um, and I anticipate that there are more forthcoming. Um, but the case involving Diane Hughes, um, yes, in fact, that is public record. And she, her First Amendment free speech was violated, clearly violated. We went to court, essentially, you know, Diane went to court, filed in federal court. And essentially, the district, you know, through mediation, we felt there was an agreement that they were going to continue to allow public comment um, at the following board meeting back in September and October timeframe they actually shut down public comment again. <laughs> so we had to get a federal judge involved. He had to overturn that. Her case went on to be settled by the district. Um, they essentially, you know, paid the summary judgment. They were in violation of free speech. Um, and it, it really is to send a clear message that this community has every right to voice their concern. These are of course. children, you know, and, and ultimately we will not allow our voices to be silenced when we just want to protect our kids. That's all this is about. Boy, it's disturbing because that's the pattern, isn't it? That's been the pattern for, I don't know how long, three, you could say longer than three years ago, is if you don't like what someone is saying in response to your actions, you just shut them down. And what's disturbing is that this is a public school district I, I don't understand the fear of having this conversation if they are indeed concerned with protecting children. I've read the I've read the contents of those two testimonies, and uh, I'll I'll put my opinion aside because, like you, I want to stick with the facts. Before I go on, Sheriff Jones, his office investigated this. Yes. Yes, that's correct. And their determination, along with the prosecutor's office was nothing criminal has taken place, um, ergo, it's not going to move forward. That is correct. Um, you know, if you read the summary investigative report, I think the key words to zero in on is at this time, right? And, and that's really the frustration of the community is you read the summary and, you know, I I love and appreciate our law enforcement. I'm the first person to defend you know, our local police department. Um, but I am scratching my head as a parent because reading through, right, there's a couple key things that just set red flags off. Like number one, it was discussed in there that there would be a potential polygraph that was mm -hmm. never given. There were other additional names in the, you know, um, initial complaint filing that were given as potential witnesses. However, those people were never investigated. If you read the summary, I know one individual, which was the therapist, um, you know, she was called. They never met with her in person. She was called over the telephone and her word per the, the you know, summary of the investigation was, I do not recall. Now, that's all fine and good. She might not recall, but I would hope that the next step would be, okay, well, let's maybe just look through some some records that you might have. Was any of this, I'm sure you've taken client notes. I'm sure there's some record of, you know, discussions that might have been had. Um, and I understand that those are, you know, considered protected by HIPAA and, and all of those things. But when you're talking about the safety of children, um, you know, Matt Miller is a mandated recorder. This counselor was a mandated recorder. And although she states that, I would have felt better had the sheriff's department actually went forward and collected records, met with her in person 
And unfortunately, that didn't happen. So, you know, it, it just it leaves you with not much confidence, I think, at the end of the day. And that's where a lot of parents are saying, wait a minute, this was such a blanket over quick investigation. Are we really sure based on the unwording, you know, at the time, there's not enough information. That's just concerning, you know, to a lot of parents. And I noticed it to me, it seemed as if as long as something was said, then a box could be checked, but nothing was really dug up in the roots of the investigation um, comprehensively, which is kind of inconsistent given the track record over there at Butler County. And we love our law enforcement as well. Um, I, I know that uh, Sheriff Jones investigated, you know, Roger Reynolds. There were consequences there. That had to be a comprehensive investigation, as did the, uh, is it Alan Daniel over there? Uh, the zoning issue um, that uh, Sheriff Jones dealt with over there. It's a bit inconsistent. Ergo, there's another rabbit hole we might go down as to to why, you know, that was uh, that was allowed. So or or not investigated more thoroughly. And it's and it's unfortunate, again, because I think every law enforcement officer knows about the concept of escalation. And again, we're innocent until proven guilty, but, and, and you don't know what is in a man's heart until they open their mouth and tell you, right? You know, I have someone very close to me that was involved in this type of thing, uh, sting operations, and he was in law enforcement, and he would tell me how incrementally these types of mindsets would progress. So as a parent, I absolutely empathize with your position insofar as, hey, let's just root this out. Let's make sure we're we're good and that we're not exposing our children because I tell you, you know, one of the problems we have, and anyone that has, you know, fought in the court system knows that someone's got to get hurt before anything is done. And that's what we're that's what we're trying to prevent. So why not help the parents? Uh, why not help the school system? Everybody just lay it on the table and let's get to the bottom of it. You know, we're not about destroying, we're not about bullying, but dadgummit, these are our kids and we want to make sure we're comfortable moving forward. And certainly the board would want to make sure that they've made the right decision because at the end of the day, here's what's going to happen. If, God forbid, something happens, it's the board, it's the sheriff's office, and it's the Butler County Educational Services Center, is, which I believe, Christy, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that hired the former superintendent. Is that correct? That is correct. So, you know, per the uh, announcement that was made last week, uh, both by the board and Matt Miller, you know, he is now officially tendered up his resignation. He will be on with Lakota through the 31st of this month and then starting a new position at Butler County ESD, um, you know, which... Butler County ESD is essentially a board that is over every Butler County school district. I cannot wrap my mind around this, you know, swapping of positions where, you know, he, he's still essentially is in a position where, you know, he, he's indirectly involved with children in this new role, maybe not as close, you know, connection to children as he was in his role at, at Lakota. But the bottom line, exactly what you just said, I mean, this type of behavior, 
right? Unfortunately, it is an escalation. It is a progression of, you know, just misconduct, to put it nicely. And, you know, our battle has always been this issue, you know, there's the criminal side of it, which obviously they investigated. I may not agree with the results of that, but the other part of this is the morality part of it, right? When and when you sit in the final authority over a, a district of over 17,000 children, and you're essentially the highest, you know, the CEO, the, the highest level decision maker, and you have unchecked access to over 17,000, you know, children without any oversight, you know, the complicit behavior by our board to not say, hey, wait a minute, you know, he clearly stated this in the transcripts and we're allowing him access to these children. So at a bare minimum, right, even if criminal charges are never found, the at the barest of minimum, he has violated the professional licensure code, which is a requirement of the state of Ohio at the Board of Education. So clearly he has violated that policy, which talks about behaviors that are unbecoming, you know, to the teaching profession. It's so incredibly disheartening to see that, you know, our board over at the Butler County ESD, which is essentially composed of five individuals, two of those individuals, thankfully, had the courage to say, no, I I'm not in support of this appointment for him to take this new position. Um, you know, the other three, again, it it's very disturbing. At a minimum, if you've read the transcripts, you've read his testimony. And if they still have no issue with that type of behavior, I mean, I just, I cannot, nor will I ever be able to wrap my mind around that kind of, you know, complacency to say that this is okay and acceptable. It's not. Right. And I, I did download that uh, licensure code and my goodness, I mean, I, again, just a, just a preview, educators use technology in a responsible manner. Okay. Well, let's be more specific when it comes to professional behavior. And, and I underline the words conduct unbecoming to the profession includes, but is not limited to, the following actions. Assisting another in committing an act of conduct unbecoming as described in the licensure code. Just lots of lots of highlights through here when you when you look at the testimony and and you present it against the uh, or you juxtapose it with the licensure code. So I, I certainly the board would want to get to the bottom of this. I did notice, Christy, that the the mainstream media has hopped on this, I don't know what you would call it, drive for one of the school board members to resign. Because evidently, if you disagreed with the super and the rest of the board, you know, you have to be destroyed. It just it just goes to pattern the, the behavior of the mainstream media. Uh, they like to say now he's outside the school system. I'm not sure how that's accurate, um, but regardless, uh, it, it, it goes to we're going to now make someone who disagreed with the rest of the board and who stood on principle, we're going to make them the target. It's it's upside down. It's right is wrong. Do we have any updates on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I do appreciate the one board member, Darby Bodie, who has stood out on principle from day one and asked for his resignation. Darby, obviously, it, you can read a lot of headlines on her, right or wrong, her approach. You might agree with it, disagree with it. Um, but in the end, she has stood her ground, has not wavered. And I am darn proud of her, to be honest. Um, I haven't always agreed with her approach on other topics. However, 
I will stand behind her and I know a community will behind us saying, you know, thank you for being the lone voice up there. And, you know, I, I just think it's worth noting if you read through the interviews last week, specifically the ones targeting her, it seems extremely apparent. If you read the letter that was put forth by Matt, where he tendered the resignation to the board, um, the media made that public as well. He is clearly setting up a lawsuit to sue the school board. He, you know, claims hostile work environment. Now, he he said specifically against Darby. However, you know, what our understanding is, if you sue the board, you sue all of the board. So, you know, I, I just think that it's ironic that if ultimately the decision of the board, you know, one might take a step back and say, okay, well, why do four of the five not from day one ask for his resignation? And if you look at his contract, there's no clause in morality. There's no basically boundaries, you know, that he has to behave a certain way um, outside of criminality. So, you know, one could think, okay, well, maybe the hesitancy was they didn't want to fire him because he could potentially turn around and sue the board for the four remaining years on his contract. But if that was the mindset and we aren't really focused on protecting kids, the irony now is is we now have him publicly stating hostile work environment. It appears very much he's teeing up to sue the Lakota board. And, and in the end, wouldn't it have been so much better for the parents and community members of this district to say, you know what, regardless if he was going to sue either way, wouldn't we have rather stood on principle and protected kids from day one? And it's mm-hmm. such a shame and disheartening to know that the same people, the same four board members that, you know, condoned, defended, publicly praised, he's now turning around and ultimately, you know, he threw him under the bus and ran him over essentially publicly last week. And so I just hope, you know, we can all take a step back and learn from this. When you protect kids, ultimately everything else falls into place. When you do the right thing and you protect children, when you're in a position of authority to protect kids and you do that, all these other things don't, they, they just work themselves out, right? But when politics gets involved, when money, when attorneys start, you know, calling shots behind the curtain, unfortunately, you put yourself in a position where a child could potentially be harmed because you're focused on all the wrong things. So, you know, I appreciate Darby. I appreciate her stance. And I will be the first person to say publicly, and I tried to say it last night, and they shut my microphone off at the board meeting, um, this is not about Darby Bodie. This is about parents, outraged community members. And, you know, we have over 1,300 signatures asking for his resignation before, you know, he officially resigned. This has nothing to do with Darby. She didn't bring the allegations forward. She's just the one that had the courage to say, not in our district, not our kids. So it's very unfortunate. Well, God bless her for doing that. I I think a lot of people who get elected into any position, and I don't know the other board members, I'm not necessarily applying this to them, but I know that the pressure from everywhere, right? The pressure is to just allow things to move forward and put any type of adversity behind us as quickly as possible. But you know what? That's not always realistic. And we're, when we're dealing with children and the potential harm of children, we need to get the bottom of it. We need to do so, sure, as quickly as possible, but as thoroughly as possible so that no one has to get hurt before something's done about it. I mean, that's just that's just being proactive. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of folks are worried about me, myself, and I versus the people 
who elected them to serve. And I'm again, I don't know these people. I'm not saying that applies to them, but the pressure is there nonetheless. Um, and, you know, it unfortunately, the educational melee in this country tends to repeat repeat the patterns, right? And so I, I appreciate you speaking out because it's something now that I'm going to look uh, at in my district and make sure I keep an eye out. And that's that's the lesson for everybody, really, is when you see something like this, it's gone on for so long under our noses, either before we were paying attention or, you know, it was hidden extremely well or whatever the case may have been. Um, it, 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 tends to repeat itself. So it, it's good to uh, it, it's good to learn the ins and outs. And I highly recommend everyone go to protectlakotakids.com and uh, read those documents for yourself. Uh, they're laid out. They're on the first page. Um, and you can you can read the transcripts. You can read the reports. You can read the text messages and uh, and make the decision for yourself. And Again, hopefully come to the understanding that this is about uh, protecting the children. And if our schools aren't about that, then I don't know why they're there, quite frankly. So I can agree more. Absolutely. So, Christy, thank you so much uh, for being on today. Um, I hope you'll keep us posted if there is anything else that that needs to uh, be heard or that comes out that is not getting covered, I hope that you'll give us a call. You are welcome anytime. Thank you so much, Taya. I greatly appreciate your time and allowing, you know, myself just to speak on behalf of quite a few of us parents in this community. So thank you again. Absolutely. You take care. Have a great day. I highly encourage everyone once again to go to protectlakotakids.com and uh, look at their documentation. That is all public record. Um, I want to pivot now to Lori Viers, who is the Energizer Bunny of Ohio's grassroots movement, uh, mm -hmm. an amazing longtime tireless advocate of all things liberty, uh, and especially the pro-life movement. Lori, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay, so we just finished with an interview um, regarding the look, <clears throat> excuse me, regarding the Lakota School Board, uh, where we had members of an elected body not comprehensively representing those who elected them. So, of course, in my mind, I'm thinking of Ohio's Republican supermajority that always seems to bite the hands that feed them as well. So we've mentioned the uh, melee at the State House regarding the Speaker's race. Can you give us a rundown of what happened? And if you'd like, name names. Oh, my goodness. It, uh, it it was a terrible thing that happened. We gave them a supermajority. They had, I believe, 67 out of 99 Republicans, out of 99 state reps in the Ohio House, 67 Republicans. We had a supermajority going into this, this new term. And a group of 22 traders basically traded away conservative policy and, and pulled a pulled a maneuver. It was one of the dirtiest deals I've ever seen in politics, ever. And I've seen some pretty dirty deals. And in fact, there's a, a trial start that started yesterday, uh, a corruption scandal. This, to me, rivals that. Wow. <laughs> it, it wow. You're talking about the householder trial? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I don't know how that's going to come out. And um, but I, 
I've never seen anything like this. These the sole conservative policy and humble babies in the river to get themselves chairmanship dollars more per year, big deal. Um, they sold themselves out, but they sold themselves out very cheap. <laughs> very cheap. Right, right. Um, it's it's like a you know it's like a, a a low price hooker compared to a high price hooker maybe. <laughs> right. I don't know. Uh, well, that's politics, isn't it? Oh my goodness! And then the other thing that a lot of them wanted was was leadership seats. They they want to mm-hmm. be you know in in house leadership. That is such a big deal to them. And we saw people like Bill Seitz and Cindy Abrams from Hamilton County who had leadership seats and realized they'd be losing them. So they joined these others, and they, what they basically what they did is the the Republicans had gotten together back in November, as is customary when the new group has been elected. You know, November elections pass. They get together and the Republicans vote on who they want for their speaker, and they overwhelmingly selected Derek Maron. So then they go into – they all agree, and they did agree. that This is the other part of this is not only did they sell out the conservatives, they sold out their, their colleagues that they had promised to go into the first House session and vote on the floor when the Democrats also get to vote. They pledged to vote together um, you know, that they would all vote for Derek Maron. Well, they pulled a double cross, and, and not only double crossed the conservative movement and unborn children, but they – they double-crossed their own colleagues and voted with the Democrats, allowing the Democrats to choose our speaker. And they did it for, again, committee chairmanships and House leadership seats. It's just it's absolutely appalling. Unbelievable. So once again, we give them the supermajority, and instead of serving their constituency, they serve three people. Laura, I've said this on the show forever. They they have three favorite voters: me, myself, and I. And Claremont County's Gene Schmidt was right there among them. It's just, I mean, I'm happy to to read the list if people want to know. But the ones that are closest to our area are Gene Schmidt from Claremont, and then, uh, like I said, Cindy Abrams and Bill Seitz from Hamilton County. Fortunately, Warren County, neither of our reps, both of our reps did the right thing, and. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're happy about that. And, you know, a lot of not only not only has the state Republican Party, which is not exactly the most conservative bastion, the, the state, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's, it's getting better. They're probably, I don't know, 25, 26 out of uh, out of um, what is it, 33 or 66, 66 members uh, out of 66 members. There are about 25, 26, maybe approaching 30 that are strong conservatives, hmm. not quite a majority. And um, so it is getting better, but even the you know that rather moderate body, they realized how bad this this despicable maneuver was, and they censored. Cens- I, I can never say the word. They censured them. They didn't censor them. They censured them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was happy to see the state Republican Party do that. That was that was the right thing to do. Now they did remove some financial penalties that I wish had been uh, kept in that censure uh, resolution or censure motion. Um, I'm hoping they can go back and, and add those back in. But it, it passed overwhelmingly. I was listening online, and um, you know, it was just audio only. And it sounded like everybody in the room said, yay, to pass it. And it sounded like maybe two voices, could potentially mm-hmm. be three voices, said nay. But it, it, it was a very uh, overwhelming victory um, to censure these 22. That's how bad this was, that even you know, more, more moderate Republican um, groups are saying this was horrible. Right. Yeah. When the let me tell you something. When the ORP does something like that, 
<laughs> you know, I'm looking up because right. Usually it's, it's, uh, it's that body and it, certainly that body has changed in, um, in membership since you and I back, you know, back in the early two thousands, uh, when we would, when we would meet up there, but, um, it, you know, Lori, this is it, when I first heard of this, I thought this is exactly why we lose because we are afraid to win. We're afraid yeah. to win. And, you know, people like to call outside the state. People call Ohio a red state. It's not a red state. It's a purple state at best because we have so many Republicans who are purple. They're, they're, they're rhinos. They are absolute yeah. rhinos. Absolutely. It, it, it is. It's so disgusting because we were right on the verge of having a supermajority. I mean, we, we do have a supermajority if they would just do the right thing. Now, fortunately, um, the, the groups that supported Derek Maron, 40-some of them, um, have sort of taken, taken leadership, and, and they're going to do their thing in Columbus. I hope that, I hope that the, the Senate and, and others will recognize the Derek Maron group, which is the largest group of Republicans. Um, you know, maybe you call it a, a caucus. So you've got you know, the Derek Maron caucus, then you've got the traitor caucus of 22, mm-hmm. and then you've got the Democrats that have, what, 32, 33, somewhere in there. Um, and we've effectively just given the speaker uh, that the Democrats want. We've elected a speaker that the Democrats say, okay, you know what? That's not why I give people the supermajority. That's not why I ended my nose, right? I mean, the, the, the argument is, well, if your person doesn't win in the primary— you don't have a choice but to vote for the quote-unquote Republican. And by the way, I'm more independent than Republican um, in, in the general election. But I'm like, I lose either way because Republicans don't know how to win. And I don't mean just getting the most votes on Election Day. I mean winning and getting in there and advancing the agenda. That's why we give you the supermajority. But, you know, it's either shooting themselves in the foot because in, in any situation— you're either complicit or ignorant. And I think we have, you know, both there. They both achieve the same end, unfortunately. But, you know, you have those that are very strategic in their corruption. Um, because isn't it interesting, Lori, that um, people claim to go to Columbus for X, Y, Z, and then they elect a speaker that's going to work against X, Y, Z? Well, let's just set up the need for re-election, right? So they, they create the very circumstances they say they want to fix. And it's just, it it's really a microcosm of the national pol- uh, political melee. It really is. It's, it is yeah. disgusting. That's a great up, word. To sum it up in one picture, um, there was a picture, uh, kind of a picture that's gone around the world, at least in conservative circles, of the new traitorous, illegitimate speaker, Jason Stevens. I hate to even use the word speaker in front of his name, so I will call him the illegitimate speaker. Uh, when he was sworn in, guess who he had hold the Bible to be sworn in on? Who's a that? Pro-abortion, a pro-abortion zealot, Alison Russo. So they, they've sold unborn babies. they sold school choice. Um, they, they sold off some really key things. I, I've not heard anything on gun rights, so hopefully they didn't sell away you know, our gun rights. But, but they pretty much sold everything else down the river. They sold out the um, the uh, Save Women's Sports Act. Um, so they're not going to – to please the Democrats, they're not going to uh, keep biological men out of girls' sports. Um, they, they made a deal with, with the Democrats that they'd be more fair on redistricting. 
how much more fair can you be? They turned Warren County, which is you know very conservative. We vote anywhere from <clears throat> sixty to you know we, we've had years where we voted seventy seven percent Republican. They've given us a Democrat congressman. Wow. <laughs> how much more fair do you want to be to the Democrats? You just want to give them everything? It, it's just horrible what they have. These twenty two are absolute traitors. Well, and you know regarding the pro the the uh, the pro-abortion gal that held the Bible, first of all, I'm, I wouldn't stand next to that, right? Lest God strike her down. But, um, you know, Jean Schmidt, whether you <clears throat> like Jean or you don't, one thing has been consistent. People will say she is 100% pro-life. And, you know, whether that's Cincinnati right to life, whether that's uh, national right to whatever, um, most people will say, okay, she is pro-life. I don't see how this is consistent with that platform. It's absolutely not pro-life. This was a vote directly against unborn children, and I don't care how they want to spend it. You know, some of them are saying, oh, well, you know, let me explain. You know, we had good reasons. Oh, Derek Maron didn't listen to us. Derek Maron, as soon as that vote was over and he won the speakership vote among Republicans voting, as soon as that was over, his dad went into hospice, and he was sitting by his dad's bedside, and he'd duck out and make phone calls to these members getting everything together. And from what I heard, he was doing a good job of getting things organized despite the fact that his dad was dying. Mm-hmm. And, and some, of them, some of them have used that as an excuse. Oh, well, he didn't call me. I don't care if he called you. Do the right thing. Right. Do what you said you were going to do. That – ugh. And how pro-life is it to use the – to exploit the death of the guy's dad, you know? Is that pro-life? I don't think so. Yeah, it's – look, it's all inconsistent. It's just an incestuous elixir of power, greed, and money for their three favorite constituents, me, myself, and I. And it is – Lori, I'll tell you, you've you've been involved in this at the grassroots level longer than I have, and I don't – I honestly don't, and I've told you this before, I don't know how you do it because there are some times when I just have to back off and say, okay, I'm done at least for a season. I've got to, I've got to back out of this because, you know, I call myself a political Calvinist because if someone isn't (laughs) depraved going in, they are depraved coming out, right? So I, I believe in the total depravity of politicians. So I think that's an we've, applicable analogy. We've seen that happen where you know, where people go to Columbus with uh, with good intentions. You know, I think back in the day when John Boehner first became a congressman, he probably had good intentions. You know, coming yeah. from a coming small business. You know, I, I think his dad owned a small business, and he probably went with good intentions. You know, the corruption came later. Yes, <laughs> I, I don't know if the, I don't understand how that happened, but um, yeah, well, we corrupt up. I guess. It, indeed. And it becomes a matter of, are you bought, bribed, or blackmailed? And, you know, yeah. and I think that's why John Boehner cried when he got the Speaker of the U.S. House, because he knew he would be completely ineffective. Um, yeah. But that said, I I so appreciate, I, and I want to have you on again, because I know there are other things about which uh, our audience needs to know and maybe take action on, but I appreciate you coming on today and as always, I appreciate your fervor and your involvement in this movement. I mean, and it's not just Southwest Ohio. It's it's Ohio and a lot of times at the national level. So I appreciate your involvement and um, I appreciate you coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
Okay, take care, Laura. Okay, we're going to stop there. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thanks, as always, to Magic Man Joe Strecker. Until next time, who will stand at either hand and keep the bridge with me? Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.